This is episode 87 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Diana Hazen. Diana is an avid animal lover and spends a lot of time caring for her gypsy vanner horses, Stevie and Harley. After years of working in the food industry and raising her family, Diana was presented with the opportunity to pursue her lifelong love of horses by acquiring Stevie and Harley. Loving and caring for them has fulfilled half of her dream. Sharing them with others will provide a job and a purpose for the horses. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to welcome Diana Hazen to the show. Welcome, Diana. Hi, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank I'm, you. I'm so excited to have you. We are going to talk about some really fun things. We're going to talk about Diana's first children's book, which was inspired by some really amazing Gypsy Vanner horses. But as people that listen to the show know, I always like to get the scoop and find out how your love affair with horses began. Can you share that with us, Diana? Sure. Well, it's probably pretty much the same as everybody else's. <laughs> I was born obsessed with horses. <laughs> Except I wasn't lucky enough to get my own pony or take riding lessons, but I always looked at books and my dad used to take me to a local farm, um, Oslin's farm. And I, I just, you know, would walk around the horses. I was really, really young and they had ponies that I would, apparently I would walk underneath them and my parents would have a heart attack because they're not supposed to do that. But I've, I've been obsessed with horses, really. I used to take the lawn furniture and flip it upside down and jump over it and pretend it was a horse. And my family would laugh at me. And <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> I still did it anyway. <laughs> anyway, so it wasn't until I got older that I got my first horse. When I say older, I mean 40s. Mm-hmm. This, so. this, is, this is an exciting story because it actually shifted a whole shifted you into a whole different trajectory in your life around what you do tell us about stevie and harley your beautiful gypsy vanner horses that entered your life a little later uh down the line after this love affair with horses your entire life you finally got your dream tell us about stevie and harley okay well there i got them both as yearlings i got stevie first they are Stevie is 15 and Harley is now 13. Mm-hmm. So they've been through, we've been through a lot together. I've been through most of their training. They know how to drive, they know how to ride, and they're great with kids. So it's we've had a long relationship, so we know each other pretty well. They're very different, uh, Harley and Stevie. They look a lot alike when they're driving together as a pair, but when you get them individually. They're so different. Stevie's got a nice, I would say 200 pounds maybe on Harley, but they're the same height. 
but they're very different. Stevie is a little more timid than Harley, I would say. He's very smart. He's an opportunist. Yeah, Harley's in your face all the time, looking for treats. Even if you don't give him any, he still looks. Mm-hmm. He's just sure you have him. Mm-hmm. You know, they are just like people. Yeah. They have oh, different personalities. Absolutely. Like no horse is the same. No horse I've ever known in my life is the same. They all have their own individual way of doing things, of being. And like, that's the coolest part about horses. I think that that's why they develop so much empathy in their owners and compassion is because we have to be aware yeah. of what they're doing and their needs and they can't talk. They, they, they do right. things, you know, in their own way. So we have to learn our animals and learn their personalities and know what, what to expect to keep them safe and keep ourselves safe. You know, a lot yeah, of the exactly. Now, exactly. Are, are they related or are they they're not? Okay. No. They're not related. No, no blood relation. Nope. But they do look similar, which which I saw on your website. And then yeah. why Gypsy Vanners? Like, how, oh. why did you choose this breed? This is a very specific breed. It is. Well, all it took was for me to see a picture. That was the first thing. And I fell in love right away. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, all that feather and the hair. Mm-hmm. Of course, that means a lot of grooming, too. <laughs> I've heard this. I've heard they're, oh. they're beasts to groom. <laughs> They are, but boy, they're so beautiful, you know, when, when you're done. But when I read about their disposition, then that was what sold me because they're good with kids. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me because of my grandkids, because of me, mm-hmm. you know, being older and not a seasoned rider. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really important to me. You know, I think a lot of people think that uh, appreciate gypsies for how pretty they are, but you know, it's kind of like music. You can't make somebody like music, you know, a certain type of music. And I, there was just no choice for me. I just fell in love, you oh. know, right away. I, I just, I was like, that's it. That's what I got to get. It's <laughs> perfect. It's almost like greed chose you, which is, you know, you just fell yeah. in love right there. And, yeah. and then, so in your forties, what shifted to make it realistic for you to bring horses finally into your lives, did into your life? Did did something change? Did you just say, I need to do this? It's it's time. I've waited my whole life. Is is that what happened? All of the above. <laughs> um, well, um, my background is in food. I mm-hmm. had a catering business and I would work. I also worked for Marriott as mm-hmm. a chef. And so I was working six days a week. And my kids were, you know, getting older. They were in high school, I would say. And I mean, I've always been obsessed, you know, with horses. And of course, having kids, I got married very young. Mm-hmm. And having kids, um, need I say more, you know, it takes up a lot of space and time. And, and, and your focus is on that. But um, so the kids got older and I was kind of getting tired of the the six days a week routine and thought, you know, if I don't do something with horses soon, it's just not going to happen. So I made a conscious effort to pursue my horse interest. So before I got the gypsies, I bought a a really, a really old guy. He was in his twenties, but I knew he'd be safe. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was right. He was very sweet, but I only had him for a couple of years before he passed away. And then I got the gypsies. And I love this because you had a very successful career. You raised your family, you know, you did that and and then you made a dream happen. But this 
getting the gypsies has like totally transitioned you into a whole nother space in your life, which is like so exciting. I mean, Stevie and, Har- Stevie and Harley are, you've created them into goodwill ambassadors to spread kindness and joy. You know, talk to us, you do events and projects and campaigns. Talk to us about where, where this came from. I mean, they're like little celebrities. <laughs> you know, they are. And it's, it's been so fun. Well, actually, they're um, not little. I'm sorry. They're they're big. <laughs> yeah, they're celebrities. they're 1,300 pound celebrities. <laughs> I can't say I didn't see it coming, hmm. but taking the gypsies out has been like when we're out in public, or we've taken them to the farmers market, or you know, even just walking down the road, they attract a lot of attention. So that's just so fun because they're different. They're where I live. You don't see gypsies anywhere they're they're not common around here so it sort of grew into um kids coming to the farm and enjoying the the horses and the horses are really gentle and so we gave them a few pony rides and it just sort of grew from there and then you know what it just kind of became sad I guess when there would be so many days that the horses would just be out in the field and just didn't have that much time you know really to ride and I felt sad these beautiful horses are just sitting out there looking beautiful and I thought you know we really I think we all kind of need a job so that's kind of how it grew into well let's go you know take eggs to somebody or let's just walk down the road and see Mr. So-and-so or you know, the kids are always a big draw. And so then it just kind of went from there into, you know, wanting to do nice things for people and then realizing that, you know, just sometimes just looking at them makes somebody happy mm-hmm. and they make me happy. And I really never forget how lucky I am. Mm. But, you know, I think being with them every day, you, you, you know, you don't, you get used to them and you don't, think of it the same way maybe somebody else would with everybody being shut in and life changing so much recently we decided you know what can we do let's do something for the neighbors so I called uh, a local gentleman who is a bagpiper because I love bagpipes and the boys are from England they're from the British Isles so and their other name is Irish Cobb so um, I called uh this really nice man, Gary Guth, um, and asked him, I said, look, I know this is maybe not the normal thing, but would you be willing to maybe do a little parade uh, with me and my horses and go down the road? And he said, sure. And so we practiced for like 10 minutes to see if the horses would be okay with the bagpipes, which they were. (laughs) I knew it. They're they're so easy. So uh, off we went. And then uh, it was just it was so fun and it was so successful. And then we did another one at Christmas time. Oh. It was, it's just the best because, you know, you really get to see it's, it's nice because they can come outside. People can come outside. They can socially distance, mm-hmm. but they still have something to entertain them. And it was, it maybe lasted half an hour, mm-hmm. but still, you know, it was so awesome to see people smile and say, thank you. And, we had, I had one woman who actually teared up hmm. and said, you know, this, it's just been the roughest time. You know, I mean, it was just a small moment. And that's really what my book is all about is hmm. it's those small moments, you know, like I think we all 
take that for granted that just a small little thing can really bring happiness to somebody. Absolutely. And I love that you're, you're giving your, your horses purpose, but also uplifting your community, people spreading joy and, and, and being thankful for what you do have, because I, we are very blessed to be horse owners. I mean, that is, that, that is a huge blessing. And you're right. I think sometimes when we're always with them and we get to be with them every day, we don't really we forget. It's like the small moments you're saying, we forget how special that really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I love that, that that's a reminder. And there's a, there's a really amazing YouTube video of you having the Christmas parade with Stevie and Harley that I'll make sure to include in your show notes, because it, it, it made my heart swell when I watched it. So, and, and thank you for, for doing that. And because I know horses do uplift people and gypsy vanners are incredibly beautiful with their, you know, their feathers and their long, their long manes and tails. And, uh, you know, just little kids eyes pop open every time they see a horse. And so you're just delivering joy everywhere with them. And I'm sure the horses are absolutely loving it. (laughs) They do. Oh my gosh. You know what? They know, they know they're on display. Oh yeah. And they have their own social media profiles too, right? They're like, they do. They're virtual celebrities. <laughs> they they are. I, it's so funny. I mean, it's it's really grown. You know, it's it's been so fun. The book I I wrote the book sort of as a a, a launching pad for what I really want to do, um, which is to do more of this kind of thing, um, but on a bigger scale. You know, reach more people. Like we'll still do the parades, and hopefully someday we'll actually be able to get up close and personal with people. I have bigger plans. You know, these, these guys, they, they have a job to do. Mm-hmm. I should say we have a job to do. And so I'm hoping with the book that it will be like a launching pad to do bigger things so we can hopefully sell more books and then eventually have more product so that we can make more money and get sponsors and then do some really big stuff, you know, really make some dreams come true. for people. I love that. So I think this is a great opportunity for us to talk about the first book. And this is going to be a series. So you've got a series planned here. So uh, talk to us about uh, Stevie and Harley's purpose. This is the first book in the series. Talk to us about, I know it's, it's, it's the launching pad for bigger things, but talk to us a little bit about where the idea for the book came and, and and what is it about? Okay. What, what inspired me? Uh, well, obviously the horses. So yes, the horses were a big part of that inspiration, of course. But the other thing I would like to mention is my uncle. He's really the one that introduced me to the Gypsy Vanner breed. I never saw a Gypsy. You know, I just, I don't know why I'm out of touch. I had my hands in the food too much, I guess, <laughs> but I just, I didn't do enough research. I didn't know about them. And so my uncle, who is not actually a blood relative, he's married to my mother's sister. So we, we aren't related, but we always would talk about horses and shared a love of horses, especially draft horses. And he, one day we, it was some, I don't know, family event that we were having. He was asking me, he said, have you ever heard of a gypsy vanner? And I said, no, you know, what's that? And he said, it's a draft horse. I said, yes, no, never heard of that. And he was a very reserved person. And a lot of people were actually 
not very comfortable around him. He kind of had an edge to him. He just he wasn't just wasn't very a, a very animated person. Mm-hmm. And so he the, the conversation ended and he walked away and that was the end of that and never really found out that much about the gypsies. But the next day I found in my tucked in my door, my front door of my house, um, I'm gonna say it was probably an inch thick of pictures that he had run off the internet of gypsy vanners and just stuck them in my door. And so that was literally the moment when I was looking through the pictures where I was like, Oh, I have to get one. You know, I, I have to, this is the horse for me. So my uncle was an aviator. He flew. That was his first love was flying. And he also loved uh, horses, but he never actually had horses. And I think he kind of, lived vicariously through me. Anyway, he was an aviator. And one of the things that he flew was an autogyro. A lot of people might not know what that is, but that is the predecessor to the helicopter. So look it up. Okay. You'll, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll see a similarity on the front cover of my book of what an autogyro looks like. But I, we don't call it an autogyro in the story. It's his flying machine. But um, <laughs> his name is Autogyro. So it sounds like autogyro. And so it's my, uh, my attempt at uh, giving him a nod of thanks for, for introducing me to, to the breed. So he's no longer on this earth, but uh, I'm hoping that he knows that I've done this. And I really think he would get a kick out of it. Um, But he was very uh, quiet and reserved and you would never really, he'd never come out and say it. But I think he would have approved. And I named Stevie after him because his name is was Stephen. Oh, that's so lovely. And he did know that. He did know that. Yeah. And what did, was he able to meet Stevie and Harley? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Um, he lived long enough. Um, so I got Stevie, and of course he was just thrilled. Mm-hmm. And he was a baby. Um, he was so adorable. And so he, uh, Uncle Steve, would come and visit often. And then, you know, he was like, well, when are you going to get, you know, a buddy for him? And so I, I caved (laughs) and I got a second horse and it was meant to be because the two horses just bonded immediately. They're inseparable. Mm -hmm. They drive together. And I found out later that apparently horses don't always like each other. You can't always just shove them together and, you know, take (laughs) off. Anyway, uh, it, it's all worked out really well. well. That's like so magical. I mean, it's like, A, it talks, speaks to the connectivity that horses can provide to people, even when, you know, someone's a little quieter or more reserved, you know, they, there's still that common bond. But then also the, the magical chain reaction that happened after your uncle shared the pictures of the gypsy banner, and then he got to meet your gypsy banners. And then there was another, and then they, they worked together and they fit together. And now you have this book the story did you just start typing away oh boy uh, no it was all it was not typing I can type but I it was all handwritten but I had many attempts at come trying to come up with a story and I mean I really had I didn't have a clue mm-hmm. of I knew I wanted to write a story but I didn't know didn't sort of have it planned out, you know, in my head. Mm-hmm. So I had many attempts and I, you know, it's just, just like what you hear, I'd write something, get a page, scrunch it up, throw it away. And this kind of, you know, this went on for, I don't know, a week or two. 
And then I'd come back to it. And finally, one day, I just decided to change my environment. So I got out of my house and I went to a local cafe where I could sit in the corner and just just look at my page and think about what I wanted to say. And it started to roll. And I literally wrote it in that bakery in one sitting. Wow. I can't explain it. Inspiration start strikes at the strangest times in the strangest places. I, I completely understand that. And, and just for listeners who are listening, and this is a children's book, so it's not, it's not like you said, yeah. and I wrote a 50,000 yeah, right. word novel. Yeah. We're talking what, 46 pages or something. And the, and the, and the writing is giant. So, mm-hmm. but it, it takes yeah. something to write a, a really good children's book though. I mean, there, I think sometimes there's more magic and science and creation and, and imagination into getting those four to six pages of a children's book because it's you have to be very concise you have to tell the story so it makes sense and it has to be yeah. short and brief you don't yeah. have the luxury of major description and and things like that right I I, I just got lucky you know I I really and then I I had to find this took a village <laughs> it really did and, and you were mentioning to me before we jumped you know before we started recording the podcast that this is your this is your first book and it and it took it took something it took a big learning curve and it took a lot of help and and why don't we talk why don't we talk about that because I think I know a lot of authors yeah. that are interested in exploring what it would be like to write a children's book and they're kind of like I don't know where to start, you know? So I know your journey was, was an interesting one. So I, I would be so grateful if you would share a little bit of that story with us. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I've never written anything, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really didn't, I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for just jumping in, you know? And so I literally just got paper and, and pen, but backing up a bit, I'm just, I kind of have a little story within a story. So I, I knew I wanted to write a story someday about the gypsies and my uncle, I, I, mean, I just had no clue where to start. And, you know, I sort of put it on the back burner, but last year uh, for Christmas, uh, one of my friends gave me a book and the name of the book is Little Alf, written by Hannah Russell, who is actually a young girl uh, author, a very successful author, actually, uh, in the UK. And the book, it was just charming. It's a charming story about um, her, her, I think he's a Shetland and he's, um, he is a dwarf and she talks about her, her adventures with this. It's all tr- true story. And she talks about taking him out in public and then uh, going to the farmer's market and how he, you know, he's always knocking something over or whatever. And I can certainly relate to that because we've been to the farmer's market and had things happen. (laughs) And her story was uh, about her, I guess, journey, how to write a book, you know, and how she ended up taking her, her horse out into the public and meeting the public and it, it was like, oh, you know, it sounds like me. And wow, I, I love this book. I think I read it in like a day and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I wrote her, I emailed her. I don't ever do that, you know? So that was unusual. And so I emailed her and I said, I loved your book. Um, I would like to write a story about my horses. Is there any way you might be able to give me some pointers on how to get started? And, you know, she, I thought, I'll probably never hear anything. I heard almost right away and she was so sweet and said, yes, I'll help you. And so we started to uh, talk on the phone 
and, uh, you know, would swap stories and stuff. And so she really is, is, was the catalyst for mm. getting me started. And if I hadn't read that little ALF book, then none of this would have happened. Oh, so, so you see that, I mean, there's my uncle, you know, the gypsies, uh, Hannah, you know, it, it's, it's just been crazy, but so fun. I had to, I just started asking people that I know, and I found uh, someone locally who I knew was a teacher and could probably edit my book. And I found a wonderful woman who was, uh, she's a freelance graphic artist and helped me do the layout. And I found someone to help me with my social media. (laughs) So, you know, here I am, you know, this grandmother uh having to do this project and having to get all these people to help me and people have just been amazing and just so sweet and heartfelt in their uh wanting to help so we found a new publisher and boom just everything went perfectly oh yeah well it took a while it took a while well, but, and, and I think you're speaking to firsts, right? You know, with any, with any, firsts, uh, yes, there's yeah. a big, there's a big learning yeah. curve. And, but what I love about this yeah. story is you, you had a dream that started with owning horses and it just came all the way here to where you're building a, a community around what you're doing and people are showing up to help you make this dream happen. And I love the story about Hannah. She connected us and, and that speaks to something that I think is so powerful when authors unite and help each other yeah. with, with their book projects, because I believe we all have a book in us and it's just, it's, it's just about finding a way to put it out into the world and getting all the right people together because it does take a village. You are right. Like no, mm-hmm. No author is responsible for the final project, like the whole thing. Yeah, you can write the story, but <laughs> right. you need the editor, you need the cover design, you need your graphic artist, you need the platforms that you in the distributors and in the readers, I mean, who help yeah. who help get the word out. So so it's it it is like it takes a whole group of people that are willing to work together to help a dream happen, to make that happen and that happen for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now you said you wanted to independently publish this project, which, which is really cool because then you retain all the rights and the intellectual property and everything. Did you, did you go like a Ingram spark route? Did you go to the the KDP route or did you go to a, a company that produced the book for you? Is is that how you wound up doing your book? Uh, Well, what ended up happening, the first uh, publishing company we went to, (laughs) were supposed to be walking us through the process mm-hmm. and they sent a template and it, you know, it didn't work. And, you know, we did everything they said and just, we just, I don't know what happened, but we couldn't get it to work. So I had, um, my graphic artist, she was really the one that, you know, she got everything typed properly and figured out how it was going to fit on the page. And, um, and then we ended up going to, am I allowed to say who we went to or? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, as long we as you're comfortable to, sharing. <laughs> yes. Yes. We ended up with KDP through Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I cannot say enough good stuff about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I'm really not being paid to do an ad for them, but <laughs> I, after what we went through, they called us back right away. They had a question. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. responded either email. Um, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they it was so fast. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is we had everything pretty much ready to go mm-hmm. um, by the time we went to KDP. So it was very quick. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I, that's what I wanted to ask you because, because I've talked to some children's book authors who have decided to go to a publishing company and have, or a printing company and have their books printed and then set up all these other ways that they, they put their books in the world. You went straight to KDP, which is an independent yeah. publishing platform. And, and I, and what's most important about what you said is yes, they have great customer service, but you had your files right by working yeah. with a graphic designer because I think that that's the challenge a lot of people wind up running into. Yes. They choose to do a children's book through KDP is not having your file formatted correctly and designed right. Like you really do have to work with a graphic designer and there's all these specifications that you can pull from the KDP site yeah. to help you get things right. So it sounds to me like you, you did all the, the work to get everything yeah. right. And then you decided to distribute through that. Yes, you are exactly right. Yeah. And, and yeah. There's, a, there's other ways to do it too. Like if you wanted a wider distribution, you could take that file and probably make a couple alterations and go to Ingram and then you could get it out through um, Barnes & Noble or um, you know, yeah. other, other places. But, but starting there, you got it into the world quickly. Yeah. You got your proof copy. You could see what it looked like. You, you did everything right. That's excellent. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was really pleased. I mean, I'm sure I'll still be learning more oh, as we go along. You never stop. <laughs> yeah. And the problem I is, am is feeling right. once you think you got it, something changes and then you're like, oh man, uh, now I have to learn how to do it this way. But, yeah. but I, what I love that you're saying is you're getting people, you're reaching out to people to ask for help and yeah. I think, and, and you're educating yourself. And I think that's the most important thing about being an indie author is just, ask for help. There's a community of us to help each other and get the right people lined up to help you, the right people to edit your books. And sometimes it's not always the right fit. Like you said, with the first yeah. company you worked with to try and format the thing, it didn't work. You found somebody else. Like if that doesn't work over here, because no success isn't wrought with some small failures along the way, but that's how you learn, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, yeah, I, it, it was, it was quite a, a process, but I, I feel so fortunate, you know, and I, there's one thing I really want to say, in spite of how like it took me a long time, it, it shouldn't have taken as long as it did just because, meaning before I got to KDP, because, I mean, we were just dysfunctionally patient about waiting to hear back mm -hmm. from people. And so it would have been out sooner. Um, but I really want to stress this, that you, I started it and I knew that I was going to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage people. Oh my gosh, people, if I can do this, anyone can do it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I know my kids would, you know, back me up on that. It, yeah, it was a process, but don't be afraid to ask for help. And I am so lucky that I had people around here who were willing. I mean, these people have full-time jobs. This wasn't their full-time thing. And so I feel really lucky, but don't give up, you know, like just, just get the idea. That's really all you need. You know, you, you really just need the idea and, and give it a go. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's so important. I mean, Hey, you know, <laughs> putting together a dream takes guts and, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, you know, and, and all aspects of any dream I've ever pursued. <laughs> So I, I just don't want to discourage people because of my story. I mean, everyone's got a different story, but just don't give up, please. You know, don't give up. It's so rewarding, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get to the end and have that book in your hand oh. and see people's response. You know, that's been awesome. 
Yes, absolutely. And this is just the beginning of a series. And I, I just, I love that you said that. That is amazing advice. If you dream it, you can do it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how little you know. It doesn't, people show up to help you along the way. And I, I like to believe that's like something bigger yeah. calling you forward. And, and that's the direction you should go and you should listen to it. Like if there's a dream that's kind of itching below the surface, you absolutely should do it. And it was all worth it, right? I mean, from, absolutely. from getting the horses at, at an older <laughs> age to like writing the book to like being a blessing in your community and spreading goodwill. I mean, all of these things, it's, I mean, that's just, just became this big dream. I love it. And uh, Hey, you know, it says, it, it speaks to following your loves, you know, and that's a lot of what this book is about. Actually, it's about love and, and following your loves and using that to perform a purpose or a use. Oh. Um, and, and that's the message, you know, that I wanted, I was thinking about it. Like it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to convey adult lessons to children. Mm. So I was hoping through the horses that, you know, that's, that would be something that they pick up. You know, it doesn't matter how small it is. Doing something nice for somebody is big. Mm. You know, that's, that was, that was really what the message was behind my book. Oh, that's a lesson that we can all hear more of right now. I think <laughs> that is so beautiful. No matter what age you are, that's a, a wonderful lesson, you know, doing, doing it's fun. Others. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to make someone happy. I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, it's kind of selfish, you know, because I get to see neat things happen and watch children or people interact with the horses and, you know, or just watch, you know, like when you're going down the street and see, you know, that look on their face of not just a smile, but you can tell that they're, wow, you know, that's nothing like it. Yeah. Well, and there's research out there that says that people that give or do charitable work or, you know, volunteer people who give of themselves are actually more happy seeing other people happy. It's it's like a, it's like a snowball effect. So, so you deserve that happiness. And so so do those that you're sharing it with. I love that. And I wanted to ask you about your illustrator. Mm -hmm. How did you discover your illustrator. Uh. I'll tell you, I just got lucky. Another person that I <laughs> knew locally, um, I've admired her work. Uh, Jency uh, Latta is her name. And she is uh, a very well-known local artist and has other books out there. She's on Amazon. She's oh, cool. illustrated uh, her own books and uh, for a few others. But I always knew, I knew like from the get-go, oh, I'm going to ask Jency. Um, and she didn't disappoint. I, you know, it was fun because I wanted her to have fun too. And so I just said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the story. And then you just follow what your heart says to do. And it was perfect. Oh, it was perfect. I love that. I shouldn't have to redo anything. Creativity is magic. It just brings the right mm-hmm. people together if you're willing to wait for the right connection. I love that yeah. local angle too. I mean, because of where, you, where are, are you in? Where are you? You're in. Um, I'm just outside of Philadelphia in a small town, Huntington Valley. Okay. Um, and, and I love that because the horses are lo- like local celebrities too. I mean, you're going to branch this out and make it bigger. But I, I love this like the, the snowball of the community. You have the local artist, and you have the horses are local, and you go to local farmers markets, and you know it's you can just make such a a great 
little campaign out of this. And then that's how it bubbles up and word of mouth spreads and it gets bigger and you utilize social media to spread, you know, what you created here. You know, it only, it starts with one little, one place and one, you know, one partnership, one at a time. And then it becomes this big global movement. You know what I mean? It's so true. And so many, in so many ways, because of course this is Jensi's thing, you know, she's an artist, you know, that, that was fun for me to, Mm -hmm. to give her free reign and have her use her love and her, you know, creativity and mm-hmm. the same with the graphic artist, Shannon and, you know, Nina and, you know, everybody involved got to use the thing that they love, you know, and Hey, you know, if you're doing what you love, you, you, know, you can't go wrong. Right. Just like you, <laughs> you know, look at you. Yeah. I have a lot so. of magical stories like that too, of people showing up and helping me with my creative dream and process. So yeah, it's just, and, and, you know, I, I believe there's some sort of magic involved around all of it. I love, I I love hearing these stories and that's fantastic. You know, what's next? Where, where are you heading? What's, what's next after, you know, this, this first book, where where are you heading? Well, I have, this is the first, I have a series of four at this point Mm. planned. Maybe it'll be more, but uh, right now I have sort of the idea of kind of where I want to go and what I want to do. So I've started the second book. And as I said before, the books are a launching pad for what I really want to do with the boys. Um, And that is to help other people's dreams come true, uh, maybe with a focus on bringing uh, humans and animals together, uh, because I just think it's magical what they can do, whether it's a dog or a horse or, you know, a goat, whatever. Uh, I've just seen so many amazing things and it just, it just really speaks to my heart. And so maybe someday, uh, you know, I can make somebody's dream come true. That's really what I want to do. So that's, what's next for me, but I don't have specifics because I don't know how it's going to unfold yet. Well, and that's okay because that's just another dream you're marching towards and you don't always know how all the puzzle pieces are going to fit together, but your adventures and your journey and your dream are certainly something I think the listeners of the show are going to want to follow. And I know I'm going to want to follow and I'm rooting for you and I'd love to have you back on the show when more things develop for, for certain. You got it. Yes. But in the meantime, will you share with listeners where they can find out more about you and Stevie and Harley? Yes. You can find us at stevieandharley.com. That's the website, obviously. And we're on social media, Instagram and Facebook, Stevie and Harley. And that's it for now. And I will link to all those places in particular where people can find uh, the website and the books. And those will all be in the show notes. And Diana has sent over some really awesome photos of her and the boys that I'll make sure to include along with the bagpiping YouTube video on Christmas so people can see them in the parade. Great. Diana, I have loved talking with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had so much fun. Thank you so much. What an honor. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and riding, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? 
Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.